0: you ever been in a place in your life where it just seemed like you always stayed hungry? Now, I didn't mean that that's what applied to me more than anybody else, but I, I, I've been there. i spent some time there. Uh, but the truth is, uh, very few, if any of us here, really know what real hunger is, do we? Uh, we see pictures of or see on TV, the those that are suffering from starvation, malnutrition. Maybe you've been with us on some of the mission teams, mission trips, and you've been places where you've seen uh, and met people who are really experiencing what real hunger is. For us in America, hunger's like, well, man, I'm gonna have to wait 20 minutes before my water gets here. Or it's, I'm, it's gonna be ten more minutes before it's gonna be ten more minutes before the rolls come out of the oven. I'm hungry. Or maybe it's some fleeting sensation that comes that we call hunger when we wanna stop at McDonald's or Krispy Kreme. For us, that tends to be what real hunger is. How many of you ever been here? Experienced this. You decide to go out to eat. And there you are with the person that's with you, perhaps with your spouse. And said, where would you like to go to eat? <laughs> I don't care. You decide. I don't know. What do you want? I'm not choosing this time. You choose. Okay. <clears throat> Burger King. No, I don't feel like Burger King today. Well, then what do you feel like? I don't know. What do you have a taste for? (laughs) What about Mexican? We had Mexican last time. You know, when you look at the picture of hunger and food and eating here in America, it's not a problem of having something to eat. It's trying to decide exactly what you would like to eat. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we don't know what real physical hunger is, I don't think. We actually think we're hungry when we're just craving something, like comfort food. I can identify with that. You get emotions, maybe going through a little bit of stress, and you're just going to unwind. So what do you do? You eat. Problem is, you eat, and you're never satisfied. And you go on binge eating, and you eat yourself into oblivion. The old adage, what you you are what you eat, unfortunately, is too true. Nutritionists tell us that your appetite determines your diet, your diet determines your intake, and your intake determines your health. What's true concerning the physical appetite and food is true concerning our spiritual appetite and food. Greg Laurie the evangelist and teacher said it has been said that more people have been killed by food than by poison. (laughs) Hunger is is about so much more than just food. It, It literally means the desire to be filled with something that satisfies. It applies to so many things. Any desire that consumes you People are hungry for success, for money, for sex, for popularity, for power. Problem is, if they get it, they're still not satisfied. Today, we're spending just a few moments, we talk about being hungry for God. Talking about staying hungry for God and about having an appetite for spiritual things. I think this is a real issue with many believers today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, satisfied. For many people, their spiritual life is just grab a quick snack. Some people do this on Sunday morning. It's about the only time where they really uh, give any time to listen to the word or to be exposed to any worship or anything. Let's just grab a snack on Sunday. It doesn't satisfy. When a person is, is experiencing spiritual malnutrition, is then what happens? What do you see? That person may become very dull and distant as far as their Awareness or sensitivity to the, to the presence of God. They may become disinterested in things that are, we call spiritual things. Not really interested in that very much. They become weary and tired. Sluggish. So many people say, you know, that's kind of how I would describe my Christian life right now. It is sluggish. It's probably on the wrong diet. People who are experiencing this uh, malnutrition uh, often become very negative, stressful, anxious. And they just feel an emptiness and unfulfilled. They know there's more. And they know that they're not where they could be, not where they should be, but this is just where, where they are. I don't know if you can connect with that or not. So I, I want to look very quickly at some ways to increase your spiritual hunger, your hunger for God. First of all, very basic is you've got to recognize your need. Some people just to be seem to be satisfied with life as it is. The level where they are in their relationship with Lord. It's get by. It's okay. I'm comfortable with it, doesn't it? Doesn't that that sound like a person that can just maybe attend church regularly or be involved even in types of ministry, but it's this type of spiritual life, not this type of spiritual life. It's where everything just kind of comes to a standstill and a stagnant. You've got to recognize, Lord, there is more. I recognize this is not where you want me to live as a believer I'm just satisfied where I am. It's a dangerous place to be. You remember the story that Jesus told of the, of the Pharisee and publican? Not Republican, but Pharisee and publican. Remember that. The very religious leader and the very poor servant or humble servant. This is the this is picture he drew. That the Pharisee would come out and stand where he could be seen. And people could recognize who he was, what a great person he was, all the good things that he did. And then he would pray God, I thank you that I'm not like that man, that publican standing over there. I thank you that I have all I need. I don't really have any any need for anything more. I'm, I'm everything I need to be. But the publican said, Lord, Father, I'm a sinner. Be merciful to me. He recognized when he approached God that there was more that he needed. You know, if you're not feeling well and you go to the doctor, oftentimes they'll ask, well, how's your appetite? If there's a lack of appetite, it may be a sign that something's wrong physically. If there's a lack of spiritual appetite in the things of God, it's probably indicating that there's something deeper, that there's something that needs to be taken care of. John chapter 6, beginning verse 33, Jesus said, The true bread of heaven is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The disciples said, sir, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. What a promise. Essentially what he's saying is, is, you know, you have all these other appetites, but I want you to know that you're looking at, or I am the one, The only one that can satisfy you. I'm the only one that can fill that empty place. I'm the only one. And we'll talk a little bit more in just a moment about when Jesus said you'll never hunger and you'll never thirst. What that really means as far as to us as Christians. But you got to recognize your need. You just got to start where you are, right? I don't know where you are. Concerning this issue in your life, where you are in your spiritual growth, but wherever that is, isn't there more? Wouldn't you like to move forward? Don't you think there's something you could be experiencing and walking in in a closeness you don't? Have? Don't you think it's there? Then the best thing is start where we are, and Lord, I, I repent. I, I repent. I, I turn to you. And I recognize I need more. I think every believer has an appetite, a longing for something more in a relationship with God. But we've ignored it and we've stifled it in our life. St. Augustine or Augustine said, Oh God, you've made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless until they find Rest in you. So you got to recognize there's more. I've got a need. I'm not as hungry as I should be. I don't have an appetite for the things of God really in my life. I'm kind of okay the way I am. The second thing is you have to make intentional adjustments in your life, make intentional adjustments. Something has to change. Now we know naturally in the physical. And there's, some, there's sometimes you're more hungry than others, or you have a desire that's greater than others. It's that way for the Christian life and for our, our spiritual life. There's sometimes when you're just full on and, and you have a passion and zeal, and maybe you've been through some uh, gatherings with other believers, or you've experienced an encounter with the Lord. And my, it's just everything is just glory. It's good. But that's generally not the way it is every day. There's kind of ebb and flow. But yet, as believers, there needs to be a continual desire for more and hunger for God. Hunger for His Word. But you have to make some intentional adjustments. You have to make your mind. Maybe you have to change your schedule. You may you may need to come along with somebody else. You may need to get an accountability partner that will. Really help you <clears throat> grow in this area and remind you steps you need to take. James chapter 4, verse 8. Now listen to how simple this is. We say, I'd just like to be closer to God. I'd like my relationship to be strong. Listen to how simple this is. James, book of James writes, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Ball's in our court. He's already exercised the initiative and in taken the step, given his life on the cross, allowed us to have a way to be forgiven and come into a relationship with him where we could know him, where we could hear him, where we could follow him. He took that step, he loved us so that we could love him. And after that, we recognize if we really want to walk in, in a greater closeness with him. Then we've got to make that intentional adjustment and begin to just do it. Draw near to him. Draw near to him. Lord, I want a greater closeness with you. If it says draw near to God and he will draw near to you, I think it actually would say if you don't, if you don't have a desire, if you do not take the steps to draw near to God, then you, may not, you probably will not experience him drawing near to you or his presence. With you. you know, you may not realize how bad your appetite is until you start to try to change it, right? But we have to make intentional adjustments in our life for spiritual growth if we're really hungry. Third thing is we have a responsibility to starve competing appetites. Starve competing appetites. <clears throat> There's all kinds of things out there that That wants your attention. There's all kinds of things there that will draw you to themselves. Things that you want. Things that you desire. Things that you're hungry for. John Piper said, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It's not like there's some terrible evil there that's a danger. It's the fact that there's things that, that, that we desire, that we want, that taste good, that we want to experience, we want to do he goes on and says it's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven but the endless nibbling at the table of the world it's not x-rated video but prime time dribble of triviality that we drink in every night at home when you eat junk food you decrease your appetite for nutritious food the same is true When it comes to our hunger for God and spiritual things. When we're full of the wrong stuff and satisfied with ourselves. Competing appetites. So we can all be convicted a little bit before we go home today. Competing appetites that we may have. That that sometimes you need to starve or limit or control in your life. Facebook. Media. Media devices you know something that can be such a blessing we, we don't realize unless you maybe you're older like some of us are it does you don't realize just how much things have changed even as far as communication we have the means to communicate better today than ever before in history but we communicate less today than probably years gone by, right? We sit with family or we sit in a restaurant or we go to a ball game. Why was a ball game not too long ago? We were at some ball games and I was there and there was just a sea of phones. A ball game was going on. They were playing the game. They were glued. It's like you probably saw, this might have been on Facebook, because I visit there from time to time. It's not necessarily evil in and of itself, although it's owners, may be. But <clears throat> the, um, you saw a little thing where a man was supposedly standing in heaven. And you see that standing in heaven there. The clouds were around there. And, and I think St. Peter or someone was supposed to be over here. And there was, this, there was this man that had died and gone to heaven there. And he was like this. And St. Peter said, I don't know what the deal is. He just stands there and stares at his hand all day long. And that's kind of the way we are. How do we do without those things? I grew up in a time where if you were going to be away from home, you couldn't call back. You couldn't check up on anything unless you found a Anybody ever seen? Have you ever seen a pay phone? Yeah. Have you ever seen a phone that you dial like this? Yeah. Things have changed so much. We couldn't imagine if you went on a trip or on a vacation, you had to wait till you arrived to maybe get access to a phone to let them know that you made it okay. Now you can, now you can, FaceTime, you can, I mean, you can back and forth all the way the whole journey. Now, that can be a great blessing, but it also can be a tremendous hindrance in your life. It can. We begin to compare. How much time do I spend on Facebook and on the media devices compared to the time that I really spend before the Lord or spend in the Word? How does that compare percentage-wise? And that's when the conviction starts to come on. How much time do we spend in front of the television rather than spending before the Lord? That's when the conviction comes. How much time do I spend on activities and going to ball games and all these events compared to spending time in worship and praise in the Word? Nothing wrong with these things. It's not that they're evil or wrong, it's just that we do them in excess and we let them control our lives instead of us controlling. Is that not true? Would everybody in the house agree to that? (laughs) Do you know the only way that will change? The only way that can change is you have to starve those appetites or you have to begin to limit them in your life. Do you know the only one who can do that unless you're little, small child at home and your mom and dad makes you do that, which they probably won't. But if you, if you have to decide for yourself, God, I'm giving too much time to this. I'm devoting too much energy, energy to this. I, I, there's a way to do these things in moderation. There's a way to plan your day so that you don't allow these things to capture your life and control it. Now, I think what I'm saying is true. And and I'm not preaching at anybody. I just think this is a valuable lesson for us all because it sneaks up on you because you begin to eat little by little little and you nibble and you find yourself doing what we call at home with these things. We just graze all day long. I don't eat a certain number of meals a day. I just graze all day long. Well, anyway, we'll move on from that. These things, you know what, folks? These things become spiritual suppressants. You know how you can take things that will suppress your appetite where you don't feel hungry anymore? We allow things in our life that become spiritual suppressants where we no longer have that continual desire for him. It doesn't have to be that way. Thank God it doesn't have to be that way. But it, it happens Jesus said in the parable there in Luke chapter 8, he was talking about the sower, uh, sowing the seed. And he said, he said, now there was one or there was seed that fell among thorns. Uh, that, That represents those who when they've heard the word, they go out and they're choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life and they bring no fruit to maturity. So it Their life is suppressed because they allow these things to crowd in. And we can't, we we have to watch over that. It's something you have to just, this is not just, well, I'm going to decide today. I'm going to come down to the altar in just a moment, Pastor. And I'm going to make a decision that this is going to change. Hallelujah. Wonderful. That's what God put, do it. But how many of you know when you leave this place and when tomorrow comes the next day, that this cannot just be a momentary decision. This has to be something where there's follow through. And where we walk it out. <clears throat> Can I hear a good amen? <clears throat> Pursuit of other things, crowd out the things of God. Physical becomes more important than spiritual. TV more than a Bible. Ball games more than worship. Parties more than prayer. Things on earth more than the eternal. It just happened. We usually do those things we want to do. We usually eat those things that we're hungry, the most hungry for. There are excuses. <clears throat> excuses. In Luke chapter 14, <clears throat> Jesus told the parable. He said, A man prepared a great feast and invited many. And he said, Come to the banquet, come to the supper. It's ready. So he sent a servant out. And when he went out to invite folks, here's some things that happened. First, he came to someone and said, You know what? I know that, I know that sounds wonderful, and I appreciate the invitation. But I I just bought some land. I bought a field, a field, and I need to go see it. Please have me excused. First of all, I'm not too sure how wise this person was. You know, <clears> he <throat> would be like buying ocean property in Nevada or somewhere. You know, he had never, he'd never seen it. Now, he didn't have somebody that could shoot him a picture over on the phone. He couldn't investigate it by going online. He said, you know, I bought some land. I need to go check it out. Second person was invited, very similar. He said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to go examine them. Well, that wasn't too sharp either. He said, please have me excused. You see, these two represent business. They represent the the daily responsibilities of the job and employment and money taking care of your family feeding your family that's, that's a good thing to do the problem is that they overlook the most important for something that was very temporal then another one made an excuse like this won't you come, come to the banquet to the supper oh you know what I just married a wife. I just married a wife. And therefore I cannot come. We could go a lot of places right there. And I could get in a lot of trouble. (laughs) God keep me straight forward. You know the very vows that they made before God to each other were keeping them away from that closeness with God. It doesn't have to, but it was, because that was taking precedence over, every, over the things of God. Now, husbands, it's important that you give time to your wives. It's important that you listen to them. It's important that most of the time you do what they say. <laughs> but you, you are still the spiritual leader of your household. You have the last word, remember? Yes (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. Seriously, relationships. You can become entangled in relationships or you can be to a point where you're pressured by circumstances and relationships that it prevents you from moving forward in your relationship, and your spiritual growth. It should be a together thing, husband and wife together. Have your own private, personal time, but you should be stronger in the Lord together than you were individually. Now Paul warned about the danger of being distracted by these things when he said, you know, it would be better for all of you if you didn't marry. Well, good for him to say. That was kind of his slant on thing because he believed the return of the Lord was imminent just soon, It's important to give all of your time and energy to do things for God and see people come to Christ. That's absolutely true. And with that urgency, he said, you know, if you can do this, it'd be better if you not get married. Because if you get married, if you're not married, then your devotion is totally more to the Lord. But if you're married, you have to split that devotion. (laughs) You have to divide it. You do have responsibilities at home. It's just natural. People say, I just don't have time. The truth is, it's not a time management problem. It's a hunger problem. When you're hungry, your stomach is growling. You don't usually wait around and wait for food to find you. You go find some. I know exactly where the pantry is in our house. (laughs) My loving wife hides things at times in that pantry I'm going to find some scripture that applies to that one of these days a hungry person will make I'm just saying a hungry person will make time to eat and if we're hungry for God we will make time for him if we don't have any real hunger for God for and for his word then there is something wrong in our life isn't that, is that not true I read this, uh, (laughs) Mark Batterson, a pastor and and teacher said, if you are not hungry for God, then you are full of yourself. Wow. I can't get in trouble for saying that because it's quote. Someone else said that first. (laughs) And here's another one that's strong. Listen to this. Our hunger for the word of God is a measurement of our spiritual health. The fourth and final thing is, and I got a little bit I'm gonna go on sharing but I'll do it quickly. Fourth and final thing is if you're going to, if you're going to in, in hunger, have a hunger for God and going to grow in that, in that closest, that relationship, that satisfaction, that fulfillment, then you have to take action. You do have to have good intentions, but you've got to go beyond that. You have to take action. Zacchaeus. Was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. All the way from vacation Bible school. We heard of Zacchaeus. He was a little short dude. But there was something. I mean he was, he was a tax collector. He was IRS. Revenue. He was a thief. Dishonest. Most of the people didn't, didn't like him at all. He probably lived in some level of wealth. That actually was extorted from someone else. He was a pawn of of the, of the Roman government, and yet I don't. Know, somehow, when he heard about Jesus, something went off inside of him, or the thoughts in his mind. And he said, "I've got to see about this. I got to check on this." so much that he just didn't sit around and wait and said well maybe he'll come maybe he'll come to my house what did he do he went into the streets he had to find out exactly where he was traveling There's probably only one main street so it shouldn't have been a problem but he went to the place where the journey was going to be he was a little man if you're short and you're in a big crowd it can present a problem at any event watching parades if you don't get in the front row you may miss the whole thing he heard probably the sounds of people crying out waving cheering, reaching out heard accounts of people being healed and Jesus was coming in his direction and he didn't just stand there he took action. He couldn't get in between the crowds to be right there on the street. He saw a tree. And he, do you, can you imagine, it takes humility and a burning desire to do something for a grown man who was supposed to be respectful, respectable, but Though most people didn't respect him. For a grown man to come to that place where people's all around, and he found a tree there next to the road, and he climbed up it. Probably sat on a limb. Now, that's somebody who really wants to have an encounter with Jesus. He had a hunger. There's a whole lot in that little account story. Go on. Here's the here's the wonderful thing about it. Jesus is walking along the pathway there and down the street, people are everywhere, crowds everywhere, things going on. And he looks up in the tree. Not only does he see a man up in the tree, he up and calls that man by name. This is Zacchaeus. Isn't it wonderful to be called by that God can call you by your name? <clears throat> when you really have a desire, when you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. He said, Zacchaeus, come on down. And he did it. And not only did he have that encounter there on the street, which must have been just absolutely amazing to him, but Jesus went to his house for a meal and to spend time with him. And it transformed his life forever. Forever. Because he did something about his hunger. Because he took action. Because he moved. Because he moved. And to ask a question, are you willing to climb a tree? Psalm 84 verse 2 says, <clears throat> the psalmist said, My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. Listen to this. The prophet said, from the Lord, the Lord says, if you seek me, if you seek me, then look for me wholeheartedly. In other words, get serious about it and then you will find me. Yeah, I get serious about this stuff. Don't wait for the feelings to come. Oh, when I feel like, I feel like reading my Bible more, when I feel like praying, I feel like, being with other believers, when I feel like it, then Lord, just Lord, help me to feel like it. Well, it doesn't really work that way, though the Holy Spirit will help you. You see, you don't wait on your feelings because we don't live by our feelings and emotions. How do we live? We live by faith. If we know we're supposed to draw near to God, if we know we're supposed to have this desire for Him, then we do something about it. We don't wait on our feelings. We go ahead and we do what we know we're supposed to do. Even if we don't feel it, even if we don't feel like it or have the emotions, here's, here's the secret. Just go ahead and do it anyway because it's right. So there has to be a practical spiritual discipline in our life. Whether we feel like it or not, we know what's good for us. And with God's help, he helps us to do it. We've got to want change. 1 Peter chapter 2 Says, as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you can grow. Psalm 119, verse 72 says, Your instructions are. Now, look, here's, here's the conviction of these, these two Old Testament circumstances that's talking about whether they, how, how do they feel about the word of God? This is how I feel about the word of God. Here's what it says your instructions are more valuable to me than millions of gold and silver. Think about that. For us to get to the point where we could hold that Bible in our hands or as we're reading it, we say, God, this is more valuable to me than millions. What an extraordinary statement, especially if we mean it. In the book of Job, the oldest book, it says, it says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth even more than my necessary food. Now, we need a balanced diet of word, prayer, worship, of getting together. Let me emphasize that for those who are still not ready to get together with believers. You need to be seeking the Lord about this because you need to get together with other believers regularly. You need to do that. You need to be in worship with them You need to be in fellowship with them. You need to get together in a place where you can serve the Lord, where you can experience His presence, and where you can be plugged in and do what He's called you to do. So go ahead. Make your mind up that next Sunday you're going to get up. And in faith you're going to come. And whether it's this place or some other place, I don't know who may be listening or watching or wherever you live, that you will make up your mind that it's important for you to get together As a part of the local church. And be with other brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not only important. It's a command. There are circumstances. To where we. We cannot. Or maybe should not do that. But I think so many of those. So-called circumstances now. Have become just simple excuses. And it's just time. To say God. I've allowed my appetite. For being together with other believers to be stifled and stopped. Forgive me. I hunger for you and I hunger. I desire to be together with other Christians and worship together. Spend time with other people who have the same hunger and spiritual passion and appetite. And that will help you. If you're hanging around someone that's just blah all the time. And they don't, not really, don't ever really have anything to very positive to say, or maybe you never hear anything come from them that's about their spiritual life or about Jesus or about anything along that line, chances are you won't. That's good for everybody to get together who have the same passion, the same hunger, and then you can take that as you grow and develop and spread that to those who may become along your side who are not living or walking that way. What an influence you and I could be. Spend time with us. You know, it is so important for Christians to be together. I have discovered over 50 plus years being in the ministry that those who withdraw from fellowship and relationship with other believers are those who usually have lost, to some extent, have lost their hunger for God and for spiritual things. I'm saying it reveals a spiritual need in your life if you don't care. I've found people when they get to a place where they don't really want to grow in a relationship with God. I'm talking about any, to anybody, about anybody. I have found over 50 years that one of the first signs of this is they begin to back away from the church and from other believers. Now this might not be the case of some who are watching online. It may be other circumstances. I'm just saying this. That one of the first signs I've seen of people that get to a place to where they're not going on with the Lord and they don't desire to grow any further experience the Lord in any greater dimension, where it's going to require too much of a change in their life, one of the first signs and indications of that is they'll gradually distance themselves from other believers because they're not comfortable with this. And usually after that and after a while, over 50 years I've discovered that if you ever talk with them again or hear from them, it was somebody else's fault. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that way God wants his people to be together God wants us to take advantage to be together with maybe two or three other believers or to come together here and worship on Sunday morning because there's a strength that comes from that and let me tell you something I believe you can experience the presence of the Lord alone at home or wherever you are I believe you can personally experience his presence But I also believe that in a gathering of people who are filled with faith and who have a hunger for God, that he will demonstrate his presence in amazing ways. I think something happens in the corporate gathering of believers that in many ways is different. than happens to individuals. I believe we see it in Scripture. Jesus said, we're two or three together. You'll find me. You'll find me. Well, strong word this morning, but it's a challenging word. The amazing thing about this is that it's a cycle. Let me say this for a close. It's a cycle. You remember Jesus said, if, if, if you, I, I'm the bread. He's the bread of life. He's the water life, living water. <clears throat> he says, if you'll partake of me, then you'll never hunger, you'll never thirst again. He is the only one that can satisfy completely. Amen? But here's the amazing thing it's a cycle that when you hunger and desire more of the Lord in your life, when you do that, He fills you up. Bless the hungry, they'll be filled. But as you continue to do that, it's just like when you eat. You start out by eating until you are full. But you keep wanting to eat, so as you continue to eat, what happens? Your stomach stretches and expands. It makes more room for more food. He satisfies us completely. But as we continue to seek him, he makes more room for even more in our lives. That's an amazing cycle to where you're always hungry, but always filled, hungry, filled, hungry, filled, but you are eternally satisfied in him. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it is a powerful truth. There are benefits to spiritual hunger. There's a sense of renewal, refreshment, excitement, joy, expectancy, an awareness of his presence, a place where you become, where where you're quick to hear from God, hear from the Lord. And where you begin to lose appetites for all those other things that used to compete for your time and attention. What brings us the greatest satisfaction is usually what we're hungry for. I just got one question for all of us. What are you hungry for? What do you want and desire when it comes to that real relationship? And walk with God. God, help us to stay hungry. Oh, God, help us to stay hungry. Amen. Stan, I want to pray over you today before we go. <clears throat> Bless you, Lord. Praise you, God. <clears throat> Praise you, God. Father, I believe that by your Holy Spirit today that you have just spoken... <laughs> to us today through your word and then as individuals we've heard it as a personal word from you you know who we are you know where we live you know what's going on in our life you know where we need to be so father we submit our lives to you right now oh lord forgive us to where we've allowed other things to crowd in and take the place where only you belong. Forgive us for allowing our spiritual appetite to become dull and sluggish because we've had an appetite for to in excess for other things, and they were all more important than you, Lord. Forgive us. We've been reminded this morning, Father, that when we really hunger and thirst after you, when we draw near to you, That, God, you will come to us and work in our lives in an amazing way. And you will change us and you will transform us. And, Lord, you'll continue to do that in our lives. Create in us, Lord, a heart that burns with a desire to know you better and to follow you closer. I pray over every person in this room, every person that's listening, that's watching today or that joins us later in the week online. I pray that God will just reach right through His Word and right at this moment to you and stir up those things in your life to where you'll say, Lord, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And this is what I want to do. I'm hungry for you. And I'm going to make the adjustments that I need to make. And I'm going to begin to starve out those things that interfere with that, with you, with following you. And I'm going to just go ahead. And do it in obedience and confidence. And I expect, oh Lord, a renewed, refreshed, power-filled sense of your presence. And Lord, an understanding of your call on my life. And I thank you for that. I declare it over this people right now. And I thank you for doing it as we open our hearts up to you. We receive it now in Jesus' name. If it's your prayer in the heart, would you agree with an amen? amen. Hey, before we go today, it's a good time to give a good praise offering and shout to God. It's always a good way to leave. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day.